Hello, and welcome to the Girl I Slept in My Makeup podcast by three sisters who live in three different cities, are at three different life stages, and have three different perspectives. They are excited to learn and grow alongside of you. This is a space full of love and acceptance, no judgment, because let's face it, we all sleep in our makeup. Please welcome Lauren, Megan, and Kristen. Have you guys ever thought about starting your own podcast? Just so you know, we use Zencaster to do ours. It is an all-in-one web-based solution, which makes the process super quick and painless, and it really is easy. And if you know us, you know that we are obsessed with quality, and we feel like Zencaster is super easy. And even for our guests that aren't tech savvy, there's nothing to download. They literally just click on a link, and we start recording. And if you go to Zencaster, dot com backslash pricing, which is Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R dot com backslash pricing and use our code girl. I slept in my makeup one. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster professional. We want you to have the same experience that we have had for all of our podcasting and content needs. So it's time to share your story. Hey sisters. Hey, how are you? Good. We're back. (laughs) I have to say, I absolutely love interviewing and having guests on. It's so much fun. Yeah. But there's also something just super special and sweet when it's the three of us or just getting to talk to y'all too. So I'm happy to be here. Agreed. (laughs) Well, before we kind of hop into updating each other on our lives and our listeners, I thought we could just address the latest world news in the U.S. because I know it's heavy on all of our hearts as the well as well as the rest of the country. And Kristen, I know you live just miles down the street from the Nashville school shooting, right? Yeah, it definitely, I don't know. There's just something about being so close mm-hmm. to it that it just hits really hard. I probably did myself a disservice, but like on Monday, I literally watched the news all day and just cried, mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah. I don't know. I just feel so hard and so much for those families and just thinking I'm one of those people that always like puts myself, whether it's good or bad in like other people's shoes, mm-hmm. like just imagining what they're going through and it, oh, it's just, and maybe I shouldn't have done that. I don't know, but. Yeah. It's just been a really heavy few days. Yeah. Well, don't judge yourself. I don't think there's any like shoulds, you know what I mean? It's like just letting yourself empathize and feel the emotions. And um, And then I got really angry and I was just like, I don't understand why this is still happening. Like it seems so simple, you know, like the mm -hmm. solutions. And it, but it feels like there's nothing you can do, you know? Yeah. Like the calls and the emails just do nothing. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it feels um, like you're trapped. Yeah. Like hopeless a little bit. Yeah. And then I just think like, how are parents like y'all, like how are you like to get up the next morning and send your kids to school, I think is really hard. Like I would, I wouldn't want to send my kids to school, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. It's just really tough. Mm -hmm. It's really tragic. And 
we're just praying so hard for all of those involved and affected. And I think that for me, it's imperative to just bring all those emotions to the feet of Jesus, you know, and, and also just to pray for discernment in what actions to take, if that's what we're supposed to do. Cause I think it can just be overwhelming to your point, Kristen, it's like, okay, I'm going to send the letters and make the calls and sign the petitions and show up to rallies or whatever. But maybe just maybe that's what we can pray to today is that God just gives us the discernment and his lead on what we're supposed to do, if we're supposed to do something and what actions to take. And and then also just remembering that he is our hope you know, and that we can at the same time just bring him all of our emotions because he is the one that can make the changes or that's how I see it anyway. Yeah. It's just, I feel like years of constant prayer for me in sending my kids to school. Cause it's sadly like always in the back of my mind because it happens pretty regularly at this point. I feel like it's like every feels like almost like every few months, like another shooting. And it it feels it like paralyzes you as a parent. Cause yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people that homeschool their kids because that was like is a big catalyst for homeschooling. And I can't homeschool with working. And so it's just like, okay, I'm just gonna keep trusting God. But like those, you know, those parents trusted God too. And so I can't even imagine like how they're feeling and like still choosing to trust God through such tragedy just feels like wrong almost like, mm-hmm. but you know, at the end of the day, I just like it even in our Ruth Bible study, like one of the questions that I was doing today was like kind of ironic, but a little bit like, whew, hard question to like read, but like, do you entrust your kids to the Lord? And I'm like, it's one of the hardest steps that I've ever had to take in being a parent. And before mom died, I, I truly didn't like having to like give them over to him, like felt impossible, like, because bad things do happen even within his watch, you know? So, but yeah, it's something that I've worked really hard to, to just like kind of release that wall up that's in my heart of like, no, I can't, can't give them to you. Like they're my everything, but like I have, and I do trust God with, the whole story, their whole story. And I know it's not going to be easy. Sorry, I'm kind of taking it on a personal level. But um, yeah, I just pray so hard for all those families. I can't imagine and every family that's been in a tragedy like this. It's just insane that like, basically, children are being like executed in our nation. Like, I just yeah. (laughs) It's so backwards and messed up. It doesn't even feel real, honestly. And yeah. what that is, I feel like it's going to take for the older generations to kind of, you know, retire and for those, that generation to get be in, you know, position of power and be like, we were those kids, like terrified yeah. to go to school. Like, yeah. Can you imagine? Like, we didn't go through that. We weren't terrified to go to school. No. Kids are probably terrified to go to school, you know, and I guess, you know, I hope that it doesn't take them, you know, 
coming into adulthood and being in, you know, taking, but part of me is like, maybe that's what it will take. I just don't know. But no, I agree with everything y'all are saying. Yeah. I remember after the Sandy Hook shooting and for some reason we, at the time we were living overseas and I don't know that one just, um, i I like did all the things and I followed it really closely, the families and stuff. And I just remember that feeling really disheartening just after watching those parents just stand before so many leaderships and submitting their entire lives to committing to trying to make change and then not seeing change. That was just really hard to watch. And I can't imagine living you know, being, being them. So yeah, it is, I think it's hard not to be angry. I know just in our little small scenario, I mean, it doesn't come, I'm not comparing at all, but like with mom and like that stoplight, we're like, it was such an easy thing to just, if they would have just even put a flashing stop sign, you know, something Mm -hmm. to show that it had changed so drastically, like she would be here today, you know? And Well, in the moment, like when we lost mom, I, it's interesting when you're in such deep pain and grief, you have no energy other than to be in sitting in that grief and pain. Like you, I don't know about y'all, or at least for me, I had no space for anger at all when losing mom. And then the anger kind of settled in months later, you know, but then I did eventually come to peace and that finally came to fruition. But it was like, it took two and a half years, just something so simple, you know, and something that I feel like could have been easily implemented and put in place. Like, and the fact I was like, we, someone lost their life and you're not, you're still going to wait two and a half years. Like that was just my mm-hmm. book. But then I think of these families and they still, I mean, years and years. And so I just can't even imagine. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. For the listeners that don't know, after our mom died, I don't know, Megan, if you created it, somebody created a petition to just look into putting a traffic light. And, and I think what we, the feedback we were told at the time, which was hard to hear, but I think we were just, Kristen, like you said, in so much pain that we didn't put up a fight, but they basically came back and said, you know, well, our studies show that, you know, they have to consider, the, you know, how many cars, how many pedestrians, how many deaths, because, oh, one's not good enough, guys. <laughs> That's how it felt for us. Um, like one life, our mom's life, was that not enough? And, and so, but two and a half years later, Megan got word that the council was taking a vote for a traffic light at the intersection where she passed. And, And Megan bravely stood before the council in the room and spoke beautiful words. I wasn't there, but (laughs) based on what she sent us and told us, and it did get passed, but I think, which is a win for everybody. And I hope that it does save lives. And I know that Megan, your words were super powerful, just beyond, beyond our mom, just giving glory to God. And, um, yeah, I just think that's awesome that you did that and showed up in that way. Yeah, it was kind of crazy how it all like came together, but it felt like I was supposed to be there and it was going to get passed either way. So I don't think it was like me that like made it happen or anything, but I do think multiple members on the city council were crying when I was talking about mom and I just kind of went up there and just reminded them that like their decisions do like have weight and like can save lives 
and just like to keep that in mind because I'm sure they get kind of settled into a role or a job and they're not really thinking about life or death when they're making like traffic light decisions, but Mm -hmm. they really should be. So yeah, I mean, it was a small thing, but it was, it was really, it was really cool. And like when I walked out, y'all know this, but a police officer followed me and he was tearing up and he had lost his brother in a car accident and like gave me a big hug. So, you know, Mm -hmm. if nothing else, it just kind of brought like, kind of that community and recognition of mom in this area of like, I just still can't believe it happened. Like leaving my neighborhood, just such a simple turn, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm like, my brain's going all over the place. So sorry, listeners we're like hopping between different things, but we've briefly mentioned here and there that we are finishing up a Bible study on the book of Ruth. And I'm so sad because it's been so amazing. And if you are looking for a study to do, I just highly recommend it. But on this last chapter and to tie it to what you were saying, Megan, um, just getting to talk about mom and her legacy. And just like in the book of Ruth, like I think some of us could walk away being like, oh, Ruth, Boaz, and Naomi are like the heroes to this sweet, sweet story. But the author reminds us that, you know, God is the hero in that story. And if God is not the hero in all of our stories, then we've put our hope in the wrong person. And I think that, gosh, mom was just so damn, you know, amazing (laughs) as a mom, but as a human too. And, but really the glories to God. And, and she certainly left like an eternal legacy for the glory of God. And I'm just so grateful for that. Anyways, I want to finish talking about the Nashville people and give Stu. I think we were just kind of comparing our grief with mom to the tragedy that occurred. But is there anything else that we want to talk about with that? I don't know. I think like Kristen said, and you said, just kind of discernment on where we can help. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I loved something that Kristen posted about, basically, I think a lot of people are like, prayers are not enough. And I I get that sentiment. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like enough, but I think when you understand the true power of prayer and like really know God, I think that it is like one of the biggest actions that we can take. So it's like prayer and action. It's not just prayer, but you know, prayers are needed for those families. And so like, I hope it doesn't come as like an empty statement that when I'm like truly praying for these families, it's like Mm -hmm. on my knees, like begging for God to just like show Mm -hmm. up in their lives because it's just so, so heartbreaking for, for them. I mean, that's an understatement, but yeah. 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 I like want to show up at these, there's this, (laughs) I probably am going to sound crazy. There's this Republican, um, and I think he's on, what is, I'm terrible when it comes to politics because I hate politics so much. He's not on the, he's in Washington, but he's in the district for the area where the shooting happened. Mm -hmm. And it got posted, uh, his Christmas card was him and his entire family holding AK-15s, like assault rifles. Um, And people were pretty disturbed and upset about that, you know, and I saw an interview with him, like, do you know, do you feel bad about the Christmas card? He was like, absolutely not. Why would I feel bad for my right to bear arms or said something just, just, and it was just, it made me so 
ang- like I cannot tell you how angry I got in that moment. And then I was like, okay, no, like I prayed about it. And there's a part of me that like wants to go and just pray at this man's house, like go set my hands like on his like <laughs> sidewalk leading to his house and pray to change this man's heart. Like, I just don't know how someone can be so, um, it just feels heartless. Yeah. You know? And it's scary that someone who seems so heartless is like in control of so many things. Yeah. Um, but all you can do is like pray, you know, at that for that. And uh, I, I think I might get arrested if I go show up and pray at this man's house. But <laughs> you can just spiritually imagine your hands on his house, too. I feel mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Yeah. I just want to change these people's hearts and that's what I know how too. you know, like if anything, the Bible teaches us, there was so, I feel like we're still in Bible times. Like if you read Mm -hmm. about the stories, it's just like, he's God wants our whole hearts and so many people, he, he has zero of their hearts, you know, and they're a lot of the times and that's Christians too. You know, it's like the people posing as like, oh, they care about people, but then they do they really? Because it sounds like they just care about themselves in a lot of these. Well, it's like, how can you say you're pro life? Like, how can you say that? Yeah. Like, that's mm-hmm. how it felt to me. Like, you can't yeah. say that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think too, I remember a sermon a while back, and he asked us, like, what voice is loudest in our life? And, And I think that sometimes maybe, especially, I don't know, I can totally see how the praying can feel like not enough to some people, especially the ones like directly affected. Sometimes it can feel empty, but I think that it doesn't mean that we're ignoring like the emotions around it and the actions that need to be taken. I think for me, it's just pulling my brain back to like where we go with that or who, who we're going to with it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so in that ultimately, yeah, I don't know, just ultimately that he, he is in control and that is more than enough. Yeah. <sighs> Even though it hurts. I mean, it, it doesn't, that's not easy, you know, Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to make it sound easy, but yeah. it's like, these are just the truths that I believe. And I try to just, constantly go back to as as we're praying for everybody well and I've seen it on both sides I've seen you know people being like you know stop like it's all about prayer it's all about prayer and then people are like no you need to just like it's been on and I'm like guys stop (laughs) like no matter how people are feeling you need to let them feel and like let it out Mm -hmm. and let it if people are angry, let them feel angry for a moment. Like I'm not saying to stay there, but um, mm-hmm. I think it's both me. I think prayer and, you know, it's okay to want change. It's okay to want action, you know? So yeah. And I yeah. Think that you were referring to Megan that I made. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. Like both, there's not like a right or wrong here. It's like it can coexist and it's the same thing. It's no different than like in grief, you're going to be, you're going to feel anger and sadness and you can also feel joy at the same thing. It can coexist. It's the yeah. same. I think it's the same thing. And I, I did um, read 
somewhere where it said that it's totally okay to feel the emotions and then just to be mindful of like what's becoming our mental soundtrack of our life. You know, is it the emotions or is it, is there a truth greater than our emotions? Right. And I thought that was good. I saw this video yesterday and I loved it so much and I tried to find it to like send to y'all, but I couldn't figure it out. It was this professor who was an atheist and he was teaching a class and he was trying to like tell his students, like trying to prove why, you know, it's not real or whatever. And he asked a question and it was, does, you know, does God exist? And they were like, yes. And they're like, he was like, so evil exists. And they were like, yes. And he's like, so, but God created everything. And they're like, yes. He said, so God created evil. And what God would create evil. And a student raised his hand and said, Professor, you know, I'm I'm probably not going to say this, you know, the same, but it really just touched me. He said, Professor, he said, you know, does light exist? And the professor said, well, yeah. And he said, okay, well, does, you know, darkness exist? And he said, yeah. And he goes, well, no, actually, darkness is the result of no light right? That's how it's even measured. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, and he said this, he gave a few other examples and he said, evil is the presence without God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? And I was just like, it's just so true. You know? I don't know. I just really... So, I I love that analogy. Um, And it's interesting because just last night at the dinner table, Kai was telling us how I don't know where or somebody at school shared it I think he said and he it was similar but not the same he said there was a teacher who said uh oh I think he learned it was in his religion class that he takes but he said um about Jesus being real and it was like can you see Jesus and they're like no can you touch Jesus no can you and then there was one other question and then they were like, well, then how do you know it's real? And the the student said, well, can you see your brain? And they're like, no. Can you touch your brain? No. Can you feel it? Whatever the third question was, no. And it's like, well, anyways, it was just a cute little story like that, but not the same. And I was like, huh, I've never heard that. That's cute. Aww. Yeah. Just talking about faith, like just because you can't see it or touch it doesn't mean that it's not real or whatever. Yeah. So true. Yeah. I know. I love that. Well, speaking of the, speaking of the Ruth study one, I mean, there's been like a, cause we haven't done as many sister chats during it. So we haven't got to share kind of a lot of the takeaways, but uh, I know um, there's been so many, but the one that I wanted to bring up today that I was just, cause I did it this morning is just talking about how Ruth knew her faithful obedience. Well, she didn't really know, but she knew like to have that faithful obedience and love to God during her earthly earthly years would affect things long after she was gone, even if she never got to see how. And I just, I don't know. I got emotional reading that statement because I feel like it's something that's been brought up to me a lot. And it's, it's hard to kind of what's the, the cheesy phrase, like keep the faith and like, just keep going, just keep swimming. Like, keep 
on the mission, I guess you could say. Like, I do feel like mom kind of gave us all, she kind of started this legacy of love, of God's love. And um, I, you know, I told my girls, like, we're on mission. Like, God gave it to Nana first, and now it's with us. So we have to, like, keep going and trusting God with this family legacy. And even if we don't get to see in our days, like, the fruits of it. Um, and mm-hmm. I feel like mom, I'm sure she did see fruits of it, but she didn't get to see a lot of it. So that was just, I don't know. I got really emotional reading that this morning. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. And I don't know listeners, if you have ever heard the word has said H E S E D, but it comes up a lot throughout the book of Ruth. And it, uh, the definition is like, well, you can look it up, but it's just love in its greatest form. All the things, like all the words, English words that we have to describe what love is, that is what has said is. And I love how the author gave the analogy that I think I'll always take and share, but it's really the everything pizza of pizzas, you know? So, and I just, I think that's my new like life motto is that my life purpose and goal is just to love others with extraordinary has said and the book of Ruth gives um so many examples of what that looks like and and you know God um has said that he has given to us and so I don't know I just I I love the word has said it might be my new my new thing that I get tattooed no I'm just kidding <laughs> No, I love it too. Like, I feel like you've loved it like this whole time and I'm starting to love it even more. Um, Yeah. It's just, I think it was talking about how like, I mean, if people don't know the stories, they might be confused, but Ruth was Naomi's daughter-in-law and she really, you know, had performed lots of acts of Hesed for Naomi. Um, And so, I don't know, it's just it's inspiring too to be like a person that's willing to give Hasid type of love to, to people. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, because it's like it's the like the covenant loyalty type of love. And I feel like in the English language, you know, I've always felt this purpose of just, you know, I'm gonna move to China and just love on people. I just wanna love on people. I just wanna love on people. But I don't I feel like this has given me a new vocabulary to describe like the depth of what my heart and soul feels whenever I feel that, you know? Yeah. So I, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So funny. Cause mom used to always say I, in school, she was like, you're just, she'd get frustrated with me. Cause I always wanted to understand why, like, why though? Mm-hmm. Why is it like that? And she was like, your siblings, they just memorize it and take the test and pass. Like, <laughs> I always wanted to, because I just questioned everything, and I, I unfortunately am still that way in a lot of ways. And that Megan, don't, don't say. Said, wait, I'm going to stop you. Don't say unfortunately. That's a gift. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it is. And it's one. Michael says it's one of the reasons he loves me, but one of the reasons I drive him crazy sometimes. But um, that vi- I think that what you referenced a video, Megan, that you had sent a little boy talking about, you know, having this putting that like mom started this um oh my gosh I'm blanking mission legacy and this mission but not receiving um like not being able to reap the benefits or like enjoying the and I just I don't know if I agree with that I don't know if I like that either and I don't fully understand it if I'm being honest because I'm like well 
well, what does that mean? That means so we, our whole lives are just laying out and then we just like don't enjoy anything. Like, I, I guess it, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I think it's just, I don't think it always made sense to me either. So I feel like that's totally valid. And I think there's a lot of things that initially, like, unfortunately, God presents that like I don't like. But I think what that means to me is, so sh- the ultimate I'll backtrack. Like my ultimate belief, and this is just how I think, is like Jesus died on the cross for us. And what that meant is when he rose again, is that he promises eternal life in heaven that is way more than anything we would ever receive on earth. I do believe he wants us to have joy on earth. I don't think that statement is saying like she doesn't get to, she didn't get to enjoy her life. I think some of the fruits or some of the like things that we're planting throughout our lives, sometimes we don't get to see the results. Like it might be generations from now where something say like an example would be like, say there's like alcoholism in a family and say somebody decided they wanted to break that thing. Maybe they don't see that in their lifetime actually happen, but things that they're doing in their life, actually generations to come that whole like, curse or whatever you want to call it is broken. So I might not see something that I'm like working on or like think, you know, daily habits of like creating how I'm raising my children or something. There's different examples. I don't know if you're following me, but that would be an example of like something I don't get to see, but that doesn't mean like I don't get to have joy in my life or anything. It just means to me that like I'm working towards something, but I might not always see how it's going to pan out in the long, if zoom out and think of like, God sees everything. I don't get to see what he sees until I'm in heaven. So like, I think mom sees in heaven, like everything that she was in. She's like having the most joy and love and has said and everything that she could possibly have in heaven. So that's why I think I get so inspired by that statement, because I see it as more of my faithful obedience. If I don't see like what it's working towards while I'm here, and maybe I will in certain areas, but if I don't see it, that's okay, because I'm going to get to see it in heaven and like God sees it, the whole picture. Yeah. And I think too, I'll just add that. Well, my brain, my brain understands that, but the way it was initially said, like, I was like, wait, what? I was like, well, that's not cool. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's kind of like when Moses, like he got to the promised land, he didn't get to go into the promised land. Yeah. Um, You know, and I, I know that sounds like so sad, but like, I weirdly like was inspired by that. I don't know. I guess everybody's journey is different and you'll hear certain, you'll pull certain things for different points in your life. So well, it, there's so many life examples of that. I mean, think of Martin Luther King. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like all the foundations he laid and didn't get to experience. Yeah. Well, and one one thing that I think is so cool is that just our prayer life, like our prayers never die. Yeah. And our prayers are eternal. And that's so cool to think that, you know, even us in our walk with Jesus right now, I... I believe that it's assisted or came from generations that came before us. But Kristen, one thing that um, in this final video of our Bible study, I don't know if you've watched it yet, but because you and I, I think both have a personality where like fairness is really, we, v- we value fairness 
on this earth. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so even the story of Ruth, it's like at the end of it, you know, uh, Ruth and Boaz, they made all these good choices. And, you know, in the beginning of the book, it starts off with Naomi being so bitter. In fact, telling the people back in Bethlehem, just call me bitter because the Lord has totally just forgotten about me and left me with left me without. Yet Ruth is standing there right with her. And so at the very beginning of the study, we were kind of challenged with the question of did Naomi really show back up in Bethlehem empty handed? And by the end of the story, we see the answer is clearly no. You know, she definitely was not left without. And the author even points out, she says, you know, I'm not, I'm going to be honest here at the end of this book, I like fairness. And the story ends with Ruth having this baby Obed and puts him into the arms of Naomi. And it clearly, the focus totally comes off of Ruth and Boaz and is square back to Naomi. And it's like, she said in the beginning, this used to frustrate me so bad because I'm like, wait, like, let's not forget about the sacrifices and this, the unselfishness of Ruth and Boaz and all the decisions that they made and the love that they gave Naomi. And now like Naomi's going to get all the credit. She's going to get all the attention. She's going to get to wear the crown. What the heck? You know, that's not fair. But then that's when she kind of changes and said, but wait, guys, you know, Ruth and Boaz are not the heroes of this story and neither is Naomi. God, Yahweh is the hero of this story. And that is the point. Um, and so I just loved that because my human brain, it hadn't fully gone there of like feeling like, wait, why is Naomi getting all this attention? You know, but it could have easily gone there. Um, and so I think back to kind of your question, yeah, it's not that we can't live like a super pure, joyful, the type of joy that only God can give um, life, but it's that it's like cool to think about the decisions that we make every day, even if it's so hard to show up in that way, because it is most days, you know, because we live on a earth. Um that it's worth something eternally and that that's pretty cool to think about that it matters not just in however many years we have on this earth but it could matter forever and yeah. no and i totally agree with all of it the part i was struggling was like like you will never you know see the fruits of all your like i was like what oh yeah <laughs> why? I don't understand. So that's just the part yeah. where I was like struggling with, like, what do you mean? Like, I think mom had a great, like she, her dream, her passion were her children. I don't know. So that's just. Oh, I, I wait. I totally see what you're saying. Yeah. Whenever Megan, I hear, I hear you now. <laughs> well, yeah. I think it's, I think it's just not a blanket statement. It's not that she didn't get to see any of it. Yeah. Um, but I think she definitely didn't get to see some of it because we still have a lot of life to live is kind of what I'm thinking about. And just like her grandchildren, she didn't right. get to see it earth side, but. No. And I yeah. was saying it in a different way, the originally way it was said. And in that video, it confused me. And honestly, like it made me mad a little bit. I was like, hold on. Like, yeah. that's not cool. Like, I don't understand that. Why? You know? And so, but saying in the way of, 
like I understood the legacy part, like setting, knowing your legacy and putting that into fruition, but we're, you're not always going to see the benefits or the reaps of that. Yeah. Legacy that you started. And to me, the perfect example, like Megan used Moses or I used, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. Like I just, that makes it make more sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, and while we're on the topic of legacy, the Bible study kind of ended because there are, there were people in the story, for example, Ruth's sister who made the very normal choice to go back, to not go back to Bethlehem, to stay in her home country of a familiar. And that's a very normal choice to make, right? As a human to, to, I know me personally, like I choose the easy choice and what feels comfortable and familiar, but she did make a point of normal choices result in a normal life, but godly choices result in legacy, leaving a legacy, leaving an eternal legacy for the glory of, of God. And that's just, that was just an eye opener. Cause it's like, Oh, you know, and it's not to say that, I don't know, I guess, Kristen, to your point, I, when, when the author spoke those words, I was kind of like, Oh, well, <laughs> that's kind of sad that like, if we aren't making these, I guess, not normal choices that we're not going to be remembered. But I guess technically in the book of Ruth, you know, the people who did that, they aren't, it says that they aren't ever spoken of again, which I don't know. I haven't really processed everything yet as, cause you know, we're just learning as we go with you listeners, but, um, and sharing, but I thought that it was just an interesting and kind of heavy point. Yeah, I think, you know, every point and everything that we listen to or we're learning through the Bible, it's like you can kind of take it different ways. Um, But I think at the end of the day, like hopefully that's inspiring. Like I try to take things and not shame myself of like, oh, well, I didn't make good choices because I'm like, ultimately God is the God of grace and love. So like, I feel like don't beat yourself up if you think you, you know, you've made normal choices or whatever that means, or like you've made comfortability choices. I think Mm -hmm. like all we can do is like learn and like trust God with our stories. Like he knows, I, I rest in that. Like he knows our hearts. He knows the full story. And like, he doesn't want us like doing like works per se. I think it's just about where is your heart with God going to him in my focus at least is like going to him in all the moments, small or big, and just understanding there's no condemnation or shame in like how we're choosing to live our lives necessarily, because that's, you know, what he teaches us and just like continuing to learn and like trust and yeah for our lives. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just doing our best every day and and loving ourselves and others. <laughs> yeah. And God, you know. Yeah, I feel like you're showing up. Like we're all just showing up and mm-hmm. trying our best. That's all we can do. I think we all care a lot and that's I I love love our chats because it gets my mind thinking, you know, too. Yeah. Right. Well, and another reminder that was pointed out in this today, which I just love is it, 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 um, it just gives me a feeling of peace, I guess, is to not predetermine what God can and can't do in our lives because he's really big and he's really good. So all of that. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, well, what else? Well, 
I've been co-leading a grief group and that's been going really well. We only have good three sessions left, but I got to like lead one of the classes on prayer and that it went really, really good. It was like weird in the beginning, like stepping up there, like kind of that imposter syndrome of like, what? I can teach a class on prayer, but I really have learned so much on it. And I think it's kind of just like that humility of like, I don't know everything, but I'd love to come up here and just kind of talk through like how prayer has helped me through my grief journey and like what I've learned. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it went really great. Everybody was super sweet and it was, you know, every grief class has been extremely emotional because everybody's story is, is hard. But overall, I just like kind of that feeling of, you know, what they were in where they talked about Proverbs 11, 24, 25, like whoever refreshes of others will be refreshed. And I've just been shown that more and more through my grief journey when I am focused on refreshing others and pouring into others, like I get refreshed too. And so I think more than anything, I always laugh about it. I'm like, you know, serving people and like doing the stuff at church is actually like a selfish act on my part because it really, mm. it. if you think about it, like it refreshes me. Yeah. Um, well, it's like that whole debate. Are you giving for you or if you yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like it's actually for me because it feels nice, you know? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I felt that was a question asked is how is God renewing your life? even if it's different than what you expected. Yeah. And I think that that's applicable to what you're sharing because it's like, well, you know, I, d- I wasn't expecting this to come from it, but um, like maybe it, it looks different than what maybe you envisioned for yourself, but that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Love it. Um, when I bought a house in Dallas. Yes. Well, oh. should I say a dump? <laughs> I was about to say, share with the listeners what y'all got. Oh my God. Well, it's technically, well, it's a trap. Well, it's a duplex technically with a garage apartment. And there's, there was already tenants in place, but unfortunately one of the tenants passed away before we bought it and no one had been in there. She had been living there for 25 years and no one had been in there, including us. Um, And then, so when we bought it, we got to finally go see it. And I just was in shock. I just couldn't believe, I just felt so sorry for this woman who had been living in this house for 25 years. It was just, you know, in a really, really bad condition. And it was honestly shocking to see, like, uh, I did a video of it, but we currently have people working on it to, you know, fix it up so we can get new tenants in there. But yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting, um, I kind of like, I told my, he was like, do you think we're Joanna Gaines or something? Because he was, I was telling him how we're going to go in there and like fix it up. And when we got in there, I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like you thought y'all were going to do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh and my God, he was like, do you still think we're going to do? And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. You're like thinking just a little paint and lipstick and it's yeah. like a, pretty big reno- renovation. <laughs> oh no. Like they had to lift the house. Like the little house is literally sinking into, like it was in the ground. Like I can't even, yeah. there's a lot of foundation problems in Texas I've come to find. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. The soil or whatever you call it is real bad. Our like last mud. Yeah. It's like it's, mud there. It's clay and like, ugh, it's yeah. so gross. 
Mm-hmm. Not all of years. not all. Not all of Texas, not out where we live in the desert, but certainly in the DFW area. <laughs> yeah, like Tennessee is all rock, you know, so we don't deal as that as much here. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty, pretty interesting. But it's your, so exciting. Your yeah. long-term plan, I don't know if you want to share it. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, we plan to eventually tear it down um, and build there. And, you know, we want to have a little spot for my dad to um, – in the house so he can because he like goes there I mean I feel like dad's there at least once a month a lot of times yeah yeah I feel like he spends like what 30 40 percent of his time there yeah (laughs) yeah that way he can have a little space there that he feels like is his and um because you know he stays with his poor friend Charlie who I'm sure (laughs) (laughs) a funny story that I just learned about dad um and staying at Charlie's house so dad and his best friend, Charlie, who have been best friends since what? I don't know, like grade, grade school. Yeah. Grade school, or middle school. Yeah. Um, he stays with him like all the time. And apparently dad didn't realize that Charlie had cameras like all over the house, like including inside of the house. Um, oh. Like even and he had a camera sitting on the fridge. Well, Charlie and his wife were out of town and dad was staying there. And y'all know how dad like is just not modest and apparently went into the kitchen in the nude to get a snack. Oh my and, gosh. Like, was looking in the fridge and was naked. And all, all of a sudden here, here's Charlie like, what are you doing? <laughs> no. Like yes. he like lie. He saw it live and said something. Yes. Yes. <gasps> and dad was like freaked out and had no idea. Oh. He didn't know there was a camera. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> I was like dying. I was like, dad, what were you thinking? He was like, I didn't know anyone was there, you know? Oh my gosh. Oh, that is so funny. Yeah. You, well, nobody can nobody can get away with anything these days with all the cameras and <laughs> all the things. Oh my gosh. I mean, hilarious. gosh, I mean, sometimes when I'm just in a walk in the neighborhood, I'm like, geez, don't pick a wedgie or pick your nose because you're being watched. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'll be caught on you the ring camera. Yeah, yeah exactly. Seriously, we finally got a ring. We hadn't had one. And I'm like, it picks up like the wind. I'm like, what? Why is it notifying me? There's nothing happening. Oh my yeah, God. you have to. There's like settings you can turn down like the sensitivity. So you might want to do that. Yeah, we for sure need to do that. Oh. I mean, I feel a huge sense of safety staying at Megan's. I'm like, I don't even know why you lock your door. Like, we live in, like, downtown Nashville. <laughs> like, we set our alarm lock our doors. But, like, in Salina, I'm like, we can leave it unlocked. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's so funny. Bobby likes a fortress. Like, if he had it his way, we'd have, like, walls all around wherever we live. <laughs> He cracks me up. He could never make it in like the city city. Oh no, for sure. I knew that when I married him though. Like <laughs> we were dating, like going to see where he grew up in, in the country. And I don't know, but sometimes I feel less safe in the country because it's just like you're by yourself. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but <laughs> maybe if you're like all alone, but y'all have like a big neighborhood, you know. Yeah. No, no yeah, I love our neighborhood. Cool. I'm glad we got to catch up. Was there anything else? Lauren, you've been taking lot doing lots of tennis. Oh yeah. I play lots and lots of tennis in leagues and I like love it. It's 
I love it, love it, love it. And um, oh, it's going to Hotworks. Yes, that's good. yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, yeah, everything's good. We stayed home. I hope everybody had a great spring break. We stayed home and relaxed, and it was not really nice. Um, we're going to be traveling the next two weeks or two weekends. We're going to do it just the three of us get away this weekend. And then next weekend, we'll be coming to see y'all for Easter. Yay. Yay. Um, so, yeah, everything, everything's good. Oh, I guess I'll just quickly share. Um, I started EMDR therapy, and I highly recommend it. I've Well, I did like three pre-sessions, but yesterday was like my first in-person real EMDR session. And for those that have not heard of it, it's a, um, it's a therapy for any type of trauma. It was originally, I think developed for veterans with PTSD. So it's been around forever, but, um, you have to be specialized in it or certified and, um, it's brain work. And so it was really, really cool. It was an hour and a half and I'm just excited to continue it and see, see kind of what unfolds. So yesterday we focused specifically on mom's car accident and, um, but basically you kind of take specific visualizations and you work with your brain. Like I was holding two vibrators in each hand and the therapist is, has control of it and she switches back and forth sides. And I don't know the science behind like like, I don't know what made her go faster and slower and whatever, but I can honestly say by the end of this session, like something worked. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I'm happy to share progress there, but it's super cool. I love awesome. that you're doing that. Yeah. And I guess Megan and Kristen did ART therapy, right? Right. Like pretty, like right after mom died. Um, I and I, what'd you uh, say? Oh, sorry. I've done it like multiple times and it was months, months and months after mom to kind of like work through the whole accident thing. But I think Kristen, yeah. you only did it like that day that you were here, like when mom died. Right. Or have you done it since? Yeah. That, um, yeah. Cause I wasn't sleeping and I, yeah. Lots of things. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I haven't Googled the difference between ART and EMDR, but listeners, if you're, that's something you want to look into, it's ART and EMDR therapy. And, um, if you find a certified therapist, it's really cool. And I think, I don't think anybody around our age, at least on earth has not had some type of trauma in their life. So <laughs> it doesn't have to be like, you know, a tragic death. Um, it can be for anything. So, yeah. Yeah. Love it. I'm so glad you're doing that. I need to do yeah. it. So especially around flying. So yeah, I need to find somebody here. Yeah, yeah. that would be good. It would yeah. be really good. I promise. It's so helpful. It really does change just like our body reaction, like our brain and body are so connected and there's a lot of subconscious things happening. <laughs> so super helpful. I'm so glad you're doing that. And I was going to just mention real quick that if anybody's interested, I'm going to start doing kind of just on the side, like a little bit of life coaching. So feel free to reach out to me directly, like on Instagram, if you're interested to learn more about that, it's really, it's going to be God focused, but it'll also, I mean, not, but, but it's God focused, but it's just about 
kind of mindset work and figuring out how to get to the dreams that you want in your life. And it's been on my heart to do for a long time. And I'm kind of just going to take the first step. And I I just want to like have one, you know, person that I'm mentoring or coaching and just kind of I'm looking for that, that person. So I thought I would just throw it out there and see if um, there's somebody that'd be interested to do this with me. So exciting. Sweet. Yeah, and make sure How- you just stick around because we got some really exciting news coming probably around May, May-ish. So. Yes. Woo. So, and yeah. Esri won this week, y'all. Oh, my gosh. Shock. But it's. I am, too. It's flown by for me, girl. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't slept in a year, but I'm glad it's flown for everybody else. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, really quick, the author of the Ruth Bible study talked about today how children, children renew our hearts. And, um, even if we don't have children of our own, we don't have to, we don't have to bear them on our own to experience the just renewal that they bring us. And she was so funny talking about being an aunt. Cause she's like, and as soon as I'm not feeling like they're renewing me anymore, I get to hand them back. <laughs> <laughs> the beauty of being an aunt or um, a grandparent or whatever, but well, that's cute. But anyways, um, I know that you guys call Esri, your heart healer and they're yeah. just am- amazing and I love her and I can't believe she's one can't either she just seems like such a baby still I remember like the mm-hmm. first time when Joe like my first time being a mom and we were hitting that one year mark I'm like but I thought before I had kids like one year was like they were big like they were gonna be mm-hmm. like a toddler but then like once you have a one-year-old you're like oh wait they're like still a baby like oh yeah it's very confusing so well and especially when you have older ones you know yeah. too such a baby they're like wait you still look so small <laughs> yeah. yeah anyways so cool well she's definitely your smallest baby too yeah older on we're more like us little chunky babies yeah yeah <laughs> she, i think that makes her feel more like a baby to me i'm like you're too small to be one what is happening <laughs> yeah oh man well i loved catching up love you guys yes it was love good you. i love y'all too Listeners, we love you. Love you. Or do you want me to? I can pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we love you so much. Thank you for today. Thank you for this time with my sisters. And thank you so much for our listeners. I hope that you just reach each of their hearts, whoever's listening, and that they receive you. They receive your chesed. They um, just seek you. And I just pray I pray your peace and your joy over them. And I just, um, we just lift up all of the Nashville families and um, we just pray for our nation, just um, for healing. And I just pray that we come to your feet and just lay down our emotions and sadness and anger and all of them our feelings are valid and that you are able to take them and just change things for good. And we, we continue to have our hope. And I just pray that people's eyes are drawn to you through this tragedy and through all the pain and that we continue to just find our hope and happiness in you. And I just pray for your guidance and your discernment that where we're supposed to show up, that we show up and where we're supposed to speak up, we speak up and where we're supposed to listen, we listen and 
where we're supposed to remain quiet that we do. And um, thank you, Jesus. We just love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, everybody have a great week. Yes. Okay. Love y'all. Bye. Thank you for listening to another week of Girl I Slept in My Makeup. If you like us, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to learn more about us or get in touch with us, go to our website, girlisleptinmymakeup.com, where you'll also find links to our Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And yeah, make it a great week. God bless.